Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 301 with David Okunyov from Typeform. Typeform is a really cool tool, which is a replacement for like a Google Forms or a SurveyMonkey that lets you collect great data in a delightful fashion. I won't call it a survey. We'll get into it there. But you'll learn one, how to get the best possible input from your respondents. Two, three questions to gain great insight from users. And three, smart moves when drawing analysis from responses. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, You'll find that on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F301. And while at awesomeatyourjob.com, I hope you'll check out some of our other cool stuff, such as the Do I Stay or Go course, all about career decision-making that is available for enrollment for a couple more days. You can get there directly by visiting awesomeatyourjob.com slash enroll. Now here's David's story. David Okunyov is the co-founder and joint CEO of Typeform and a product designer. His specialties include expertise in user interface design, user experience design, graphic design, and creative and technical direction. Big thanks to David for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is David. David, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Pleasure to be here. Well, I've been so excited to get into your perspectives, but first I want to hear a little bit of your backstory in terms of you had some time playing in some bands and composing songs. What's the story here? Yeah, uh, well, I guess I didn't start my career as an entrepreneur. Uh, I actually started as a musician. Uh, after I left school, I, I chose to study music. I did a course called uh, Commercial Music, which was kind of a combination of music engineering, music performance, and I guess music business. Uh, and it was around the time in my first year of university that I kind of, I, I, I formed a band with some friends and we got signed up by, uh, at the time, well, the first record company that signed us up was Arista Records. So at the time, I don't know if you remember that record label, they, they famously put out Whitney Houston's first record. Oh, all right. So we got signed up by those guys. And then actually the, the person that signed us up, Arista, moved over to Sony Records to be the president of Sony Records in London. And he moved us over. So we ended up like recording an album on under Epic label. Uh, we put it out there. We, I mean, we had kind of limited success, to be honest. I mean, we went touring around, around the country and I was doing it, you know, for about three, four years. Uh, you know, we're kind of keeping the band kind of alive, but essentially didn't really get where we wanted to go. Um, and then the band split up. Uh, I ended up, you know, pursuing a bit of a solo career by myself, trying it. You know, I was what, 25 at the time. So I, I just locked myself in my basement and started making music by myself. Like it's actually some of the best times in my life <laughs> in, uh, in that period of time. But at the age of 26, I, I, I fell in love uh, with a with a girl from uh, from Colombia, and I ended up moving to Colombia with her. Uh, and I, I just gave up on music at that point. And that's when I started like getting into design. Uh, I, I I'd already I'd always been doing a bit of design for the bands that I, for the band that I was in, and I was always like a keen. You know, I just, I just love to build stuff. So it was only natural for me after kind of leaving music to say, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of give this design gig a, a proper shot. So I, 
I set up my, my a small design agency in Bogota in South America. Uh, and, and yeah, that was kind of the start of my journey uh, towards an entrepreneurship. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, the music lifestyle, the travel and the sex and the drugs didn't <laughs> overcome you and you're able to use your faculties still to build cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, I guess, you know, I had to earn money. <laughs> you know, so, you know my, my choices for music in Colombia was like writing jingles. So that's kind of not what I wanted to do. Uh, but, you know, web design sounded like a, a decent gig and, you know, I could kind of pick my hours and do what I want pretty much. That's cool. Well, I'm pleased, as I'm sure many, many other Typeform users are pleased, that you chose to invest your energies into building this project here. So could you orient us a little bit? You're a co-founder, a joint CEO, a product designer behind Typeform, which I think is just the niftiest. But for those who aren't familiar, can you orient them a little bit? What is Typeform? So basically, Typeform is a tool that allows you to collect uh, information from either your employees or your customers um, in a more human and conversational way. So think, you know, with your customers and your employees, there's many points where you need to, you need to ask information from them. And typically, you use a web form to do that. Uh, we have kind of a new take on, on the web form whereby we think questions should be asked one at a time and feel a bit more like a conversation and look beautiful. So in other words, we help companies build awesome forms, actually. Yeah. And I am a customer and a believer. And what I find so cool about Typeform is that it is more human. It's more pleasant. I feel a little sense of... I'm sure you've studied this amply, your team, the feel sense of reward, if you will, as I enter each piece and like, oh, I'm making progress as opposed to there's a never ending form and I am just bombarded by it. Yeah. A normal form is like an, an interrogation. So if someone came up to the street and asked you questions, they wouldn't start reading out a list of questions. They'd go one, one thing at a time and they'd try to get you into a flow. It's the same thing with a web form. Why ask a million questions? Uh, in, in one bang, you want to go progressively forward. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine, do you have any cool data on this in terms of, I would imagine if we go sort of side by side against an alternative solution that you would see impressively higher completion rates with yours versus another. Yeah, we have this, what I call the smoking gun uh, metric, which is Ooh. our completion rate. Well, median completion rate is floats around 57%, uh, which is significantly higher to what we've seen other players in the industry reporting. So what I usually say is that with Typeform, you can get up to four times the completion rate you're getting with a normal form. And it's just down to good UX mechanics and just making the user feel like he's on some kind of journey or some kind of process. Absolutely. Well, I used it to collect input for the Do I Stay or Go course, and I did have healthy completion rates higher than I was expecting. And I think my expectations were established with while well, using alternative options. So thank you. That was a real treat. And so I'd love to get your take then when it comes to surveys. And you mentioned earlier when we were setting this up that, you know, you didn't even consider Typeform to be a right. survey company. Tell us more about that mindset you're in. We actually see ourselves more as a system of engagement as opposed to a system of records. Um, we've never invested heavily in, in, in analytics on our platform. We basically 
we focus very heavily on just getting that that data off people. And then we expect you to map that data into your existing system. So integrations is a big play for us. Uh, you know, a lot of our users just just put their data straight into Google Sheets and then they do their, their analytics on, on that side. And we do provide some basic analytics and the ability to see your, 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 your data on Typeform. But essentially, uh, you know, it's more of a plug and play kind of system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've done a great deal of thinking associated with the human side of this and what makes it engaging, what makes it conversational. And the proof is in the pudding. Wow, four times completion rates. That is smoking gun-like. So tell us then on our side, if we're using Typeform or, you know, heaven forbid, an alternative uh, means of collecting this information, what are some of the best practices in terms of getting the best possible input from folks that we're trying to learn from? Sure. So, I mean, the, the Typeform format itself is a best practice of like going one question at a time and people really do respond better to conversation as opposed to inter- interrogation. So that's the first thing. Um, so if you, um, you know, I, what I usually say to people is like, try and be yourself. Like given that this is a conversation, you don't have to like treat, you know, each question like a label. So you can be friendly, you know, use relaxed, like non-business language, uh, to get familiar with your respondent, you know, let them know at the start also how long it's going to take, uh, for them to fill in. If it was a survey, you know, just hold them by the hand, tell them that you're with them. And also, you know, you can also share with them, you know, some insight into like why there's benefit for them to, to, to take part. Um, one other thing is like definitely don't ask too many questions. I mean, especially in a survey where actually most of the benefit is for the, the, the questioner. You know, obviously the more questions you have, the, the, the higher the drop off rate is going to be. Um, and then, you know, as far as, you know, other best practices with the Typeform format, like try and use like images and videos and animated GIFs just to keep, you know, rewarding the user as they go one question at a time. And like, you know, take a break in your questions, like to make a joke or give some piece of information, just, you know, keep it conversational as much as possible uh, right through to the end. Mm-hmm. I liked your point there. You said, show how the survey respondent is benefiting. Can you give us some examples of that? Because indeed, it does seem like the questioner is the one reaping the rewards. What are some examples of benefits that the respondent can be having as well? I guess it depends uh, the use case. But I mean, if it was a survey and you're surveying your customers, like just bring them close, try to get them to empathize with the fact that you're trying to improve their experience through the, through the survey. Um, sometimes you just want to f- offer like a, a full on reward at the end. Like, I mean, I've seen many lead generation forms where they offer some kind of prize at the end. So, so just, you know, just lead them with something to start off with. But if you just say, Hey, here are my questions, please answer them. Like <laughs> people aren't going to be that inclined to, to answer. So the more you can do to just like, you know, tempt them into the questions, the better you'll, you'll be off. I like that. The straight up reward incentive is cool. And so I'm thinking I'm about overdue for a full scale survey of listeners, but I did it previously and it was handy. I think sometimes there's a bit of an intrinsic motivator in terms of, you know, by sharing this information, we're better able to give you just what you want or that which is going to be the most relevant to you 
or you are helping thousands of listeners, you know, get content that's all the more applicable and delightful for what you're up to? Well, I mean, in your case, you can also uh, offer them some kind of bonus episode, maybe something that you've, I don't know, I don't want to tell you how to do things, but maybe you could do like a digest of all the best conversations that you had with the people on your podcast and then, you know, put that as a downloadable at the end of your type form. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's handy because, you know, information does not have a uh, variable costs associated with it the way, you know, gift cards or other incentives may. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'd also like to hear what are some of like your favorite questions, items that have just proven again and again to be super helpful for you and for Typeform users? I don't know about whether they're my favorite, but I came across uh, an article recently uh, and I thought there was it was a really nice way to do an MPS. It was a bit of an alternative way of doing it. But basically, it's a very short survey with three questions, um, and which will give you a really good kind of barometer of what your customers are thinking about your company. So as I mentioned, it's like it's basically an MPS survey, but the structure is a little bit different, and it has a bit of a different angle to it. So um, the first two questions are, are, are kind of qualitative. And then the last question is quantitative, like a, uh, you know, like a typical first question you ask in, uh, in, in an MPS survey. So I actually wrote this down here. So the first question was, what is the first word or short phrase that comes to mind when you think, think of our business? Oh, I like it. So that's the first uh, qualitative question. Then tell us about a time when our business exceeded your expectations. Mm-hmm. Actually, you could ask them also, like, tell us about a time when the the business did not exceed the expectations as well. And then thirdly, like, uh, I cannot imagine the world without our business. A, strongly disagree, disagree, not sure, agree, strongly agree. That's kind of like the NPS question, but a bit kind of alternative. But yeah, I really like those those three questions. I think they really give a good kind of insight into, you know, how the customer is feeling. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Imagine the world without it. And, and I think that speaks to it. I really like it when, for better or for worse, something breaks with the email. But when I get listeners say, hey, Pete, for your 10 days to winning at work series, I got the days one, two, and three, and then five, but where's four? It's like, oh boy, you know, they notice and they care enough to follow up. So imagining a world without it is resonating in terms of that means something. It's kind of a good question because it gets the it gets the user to use their imagination. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a what if question. Oh, certainly. That's cool. Well, I'd like your take as well when it comes to, if you have a bunch of responses, you said you've deliberately not gotten too into the analytics game. Yeah. But those who do, you know, what are some of the, the best things they do with a bundle of data? Because I think that's just the worst thing. It's like, hey, we did a huge survey. Okay, that's cool. Here's some bar charts. Okay. Noted. And then that's it. You know, like what was the point of that? Yeah. I mean, I guess like it depends what you're looking at, like the qualitative or the quantitative data. I mean, I'm no, like I said, I'm, I'm no expert. So full disclaimer here, but I mean, what, what, if you get a lot of qualitative analysis and usually that's where you really can dig like the trends out of what people are saying. But to do that, you need to kind of run a proper analysis. And there's an analysis called the thematic analysis where you look for common codes or patterns in the feedback. And it's actually one of the most common forms of analysis in, in, in qualitative research. Uh, what it does is it emphasizes pinpointing, examining and, and recording of, uh, of themes or these codes within the data. 
Um, it's actually simple to use, uh, and it's pretty good for like novice uh, researchers. So it's not like an advanced thing. Um, yeah, so just you know, Google it, thematic analysis. I also, I also pulled out a couple of like books, you know, for broader qualitative research. There's one called Introduction to Qualitative Research by Uwe Flick. Um, don't know if I pronounce that well, sorry. Uwe. Okay. Uh, and then there's something that's a bit more in depth called Qualitative Data Analysis, an expanded source book by Matthew B. Miles and A. Michael uh, Huberman. Yeah, so yeah, check those out. All right. Well, any other thoughts that come to mind when you've got a bundle of inputs that have come your way and you can do the thematic analysis, anything else that is just a smart move in terms of, okay, now that I have a bunch of these responses, that's going to inform and equip me in some key ways. From my experience, I like to look at the at the qualitative data and try and draw conclusion and then draw, draw action points. Uh, you know, just create a list of like the major takeaways, the major things that I would need to do in order to change some of the opinions. So, you know, if you're getting, you know, a lot of negative feedback, try and like group that feedback together. And then uh, from that, you can draw out some solutions. Okay, sure. Well, now then, could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yeah, I mean, I'm a designer. So I always like this quote by a guy called Paul Rand. Um, he was the guy that designed the IBM logo. It's a famous 1960s um, designer. Uh, and he famously said, the public is more familiar with bad design than good design. Uh, uh, it is in effect conditioned to prefer bad design because that's what it lives with. So I think there's just an opportunity to like improve things all the time because people are just used to seeing like stuff which doesn't really work or is kind of doesn't look look right or doesn't function right and there's just always opportunities around to improve things in everything um and just as a designer i found that exciting it's like an uh, an unlimited ocean of possibilities to to improve on mm-hmm. and how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research don't know but i i have a favorite book oh sure let's hear it well, it's, it's actually nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but I think like I really kind of get my escape through a, a, a writer called Bill Bryson. If you've heard of him, he's a travel writer. He's a guy that has a really interesting take on, on, on the world. And, you know, he just documents his travels around the world. Uh, and it's just, it's really hilarious. It's kind of the kind of thing that if you're on a train, you have to be careful not to laugh out loud. Um, so definitely would recommend that for, for anyone that's into traveling. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? Well, still part of my time is I still design. So so Sketch, uh, which is a great kind of vector graphics tool for UI and web design. Uh, I use that all the time. I just, yeah, I love it. Couldn't live without it. Although there are, there are other good tools out there as well, but I'm just kind of stuck with that one. All right. And do you have a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that helps you out? Yeah. I mean, uh, as a person, I'm pretty impulsive, uh, kind of a daydream as well. Um, what I kind of do to kind of, uh, you know, uh, ground myself is I like to play the drums. That's kind of my meditation. Try to get like any aggression out. It's also a very good way to kind of like study something that's pretty regimented. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I do. Uh, yeah, take plenty of walks. Um, uh, also, I mean, just in work things, like try to avoid having too many meetings in a closed room. Like 
also just taking someone out, like back to going for a walk, like taking someone out for a walk for a meeting is usually more productive. Mm-hmm. And is there a particular nugget that you share with folks that really seems to connect and resonate with them? They're nodding their heads in agreement. Is there a particular... Yeah, a particular thing that you say often that folks seem to say, oh, yeah. I often find myself repeating that, uh, you know, creating a good, good product is like, is like origami because um, like in origami, every fold that you make counts towards the, uh, the final output. So if you, if you miss a couple of folds, then that's going to affect the following folds. And actually... Um, the quality of a product is a collection of really well executed tiny details. And if you don't look after those little details, then your, then your, your, your final output is going to be as good. So yeah, type form, I'm always kind of banging on about like looking after the details as much as possible. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Well, um, I tweet not that often. Um, we have, I mean, we have a really good blogger type form uh, where we uh, we share a lot of information on conversational data collection and just gen- general entrepreneurship. So check out our blog, www.typeform.com slash blog. Mm-hmm. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah. Think about the user first. Don't think about, you know, the success that you want for yourself. That is an output. Try and really solve a problem for people. And as an output, you will hopefully <laughs> have monetary success, but it shouldn't be the input. All right. Well, David, this has been fun. Thanks so much for sharing this and keep on making Type Forum as so delightful as it is. Cool. Thanks. I really like David's perspective about thinking about the user first instead of the success that you want for yourself. And that shows up when you're collecting survey data and doing so in a friendly, one at a time, conversational, not overwhelming, not bombarding, crazy amount of time, crazy amount of questions sort of way, and in a more macro way in all sorts of other dimensions. So good stuff from David. And I do recommend checking out Typeform if you haven't already. A pretty cool way to collect input from folks and that smoking gun metric four times completions. Pretty impressive. So again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to items that we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F301. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll hear from our next guest. That will be Wednesday with Bruce Tolgan. On Monday, I'll have a little Memorial Day thought and I hope to catch you there. And peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.